Welcome, Wildcat fans, to another episode of the Weber State Weekly Softball Show. We're a member of the Big Sky Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Colby Peterson. On the show today, we have returning from the Badger, uh, not the Badger State, the Wolverine State, Michigan, Jessica Euler. Jessica, how are you doing? I am excited to be back. Um, went to Michigan and saw snow because, you know, missed it a little bit, but glad to be back with warmer weather and in Utah. Yeah. Is the, is the weather warm in Utah this week? Has it been good? It is. It was 60s today. Nice. So I'll take it. We had 70s yesterday. It's a good week. Yeah, that, that, that sounds great. My wife is actually out there. Her, her father uh, had a procedure, and so she's out there visiting him. So uh, she's enjoying that nice home weather back in Utah. Good for, good for you guys. And then uh, we've got the signpost zone, Simon Mortensen, making his way through. Yes, sir. Making his way through finals week, man. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing good. I got through I got through the worst of it on Monday. I think I had like four good. major assignments I'll do then. And then I think my last thing that I have to do is I just have a small essay tonight, three peer reviews of something, and then a test on Friday. So I, that's my final wrap up and everything. Yeah, not bad, man. How's you know, just kind of easing away, getting getting all that tough stuff done on Monday, and then just kind of coasting. You know, a guy who writes a lot, so writing an essay, not a big deal for a guy who writes for the newspaper on campus. Uh, I got it done pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, easy, right? It's very skilled writer. <laughs> all right, folks. Well, we've got a we've got a player interview. Let's talk a little bit about the show tonight. Um, we've got a player interview. We have uh, senior infielder Mikkel Houston on the show with us tonight. We're going to talk a little bit. She's the reigning. Big Sky Player of the Week. So we're going to talk a little bit about her journey from Salem, Oregon to Utah and the success that she had. And she's got some stories for us. Uh, then we're going to do a weekend review. We're going to talk a little bit about the series in Northern Colorado, another windy series, uh, which um, some heartbreak, but then also some triumph. So we'll talk a little bit about that. And then we've got the Wildcat Mailbag. It's a new segment we're doing. We asked for your questions on social media, on Instagram. And so we've got a few of those. And so we'll be going through some of those questions that you want to know. And uh, giving our takes, seeing what you think. Uh, before we start all that, we want to encourage everybody to subscribe to the show, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all good places to hear Weber State Weekly. Please tell your friends about Weber State Weekly. We are coming up on the end of our softball coverage here. Just a couple of weeks, the conference tournament will be taking place at Wildcat Softball Field in Ogden. But uh, we've got some things planned throughout the summer, some, some alumni interviews and things like that. So uh, stick with us, but please tell your friends and your family about Weber State Weekly and about the, the content that we try and produce for all Wildcat fans, wherever they may be. We're also on social media. Like we said, that's where we got a lot of our mailbag questions. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, Twitter, a great place to interact with us. Uh, I have, I've tried to, been, tried to be a little bit better about tweeting during the games, but uh, doubleheaders on Friday before my work day is up makes it a little bit tougher. But Saturdays, for sure, I'm on there, folks. So uh, tweet at us on Saturday for the, uh, for the games. But uh, Find us on social media as well. And then Patreon. You go to patreon.com slash Weaver State Weekly. Become a patron. Support the work. Be a great person. Help us out. Appreciate our patrons and what they do for us. And then also want to shout out the sponsor for the show, Studio 98. Looking for a ring that's not boring, dumb, lame, all of those things. Studio 98 is the place for you. They got uh, great rings made of rare woods, cool woods, exotic woods, all that stuff by a local jeweler. He's a former football player up at Weaver State and fellow Wildcat. Loves the purple and white just as much as you and I do. So check out their website. It's studio98.com. That's studio, N-I-N-E, and the number 8.com. They got some really cool rings. I bet you if you message them, they'll make you a flying W ring. I got one right here. You can get one too, I'll bet, if you message them and ask them about it. So 
Appreciate Studio 9A and their support of Weaver State Weekly. All right. So now let's uh, let's let's bring in Mikel Houston here. Mikel, uh, it's been a little. Oh, we tried getting you a little bit earlier in the season, but uh, Wednesday nights were sort of bad for you. So now that the season is over, or I mean, the the semester is getting over, we had an opportunity to get you, and it just ha- so happened to coincide with you winning Conference Player of the Week. So Mikel Houston, thanks for coming on Weaver State Weekly. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm very excited. Yeah, I had a busy class schedule, and softball, you know, takes over the weekend. So happy to be here. Yeah, I'm gonna steal this from Jessica. Normally, she asks the major later in in the uh, interview, but I thought maybe I'd ask now. What what are you what are you studying? I'm studying business administration, and then um, because I have another year to play, I'm I picked up two minors, MIS and data analytics. Wow, hanging out with Randy Boyle? Um, not yet. I'm getting there. I just started okay. those, so that's yeah, great. You'll love Co- you'll you'll love Professor Randy Boyle. He's great over in the Goddard School. Plus, you know Goddard School is a great place for uh, hanging out with you know the Dean Matt Moritzen, another good another good professor. So you're, mm-hmm. you're in a good spot. Goddard School, great great spot. Good yeah, it's an awesome major. That's going to be exciting. Do you want to yes. do stuff with data analytics? Do you think? Yeah, I'm. I just started it this year or this semester, and I've been doing a lot of MIS stuff. So I'm not even quite sure what I want to do yet. I'm just dipping my toes into it and seeing what I like, but so far it's good. Awesome. Love it. Yeah, that is good. But, uh, like we said at the top, you're originally from Salem, Oregon. Um, old, old, the guy who actually hired me to work at Weaver States long ago, went to college there in Salem, Oregon. And oh, really? uh, yeah, went to Willamette university. And so, my um, there. yeah. So, uh, Talk to us a little bit because I, I went through your bio and a pretty storied career there in Salem in for, in your prep days. I mean, one team MVP as a junior, and that's on a varsity squad. Uh, then ended up be, being a, a playing in the All Star game for the state. Ended up winning Offensive Player of the Year as a senior. I mean, talk to us a little bit about that career because it's it's impressive. And like I said, I, I kind of wanted to ask kind of the habits that helped set you up for success in the prep realm so that you could take those with you to Weber state and continue to have success in Ogden. Mm -hmm. Um, so just, I mean, looking back at it now, high school seems, you know, like nothing compared to college, but, um, it definitely prepared me in cause I was just younger back then. And it seemed like college at the time. So, um, my freshman year, I was so nervous. I just wanted to make the team. We had a pretty good team my freshman year um, for high school. And uh, I was the only freshman to make varsity. So that was a pat on my back. I was pretty excited about that. Yeah, but um, yeah, we were pretty successful that year. Um, and then it kind of fell off, we went downhill. Like with high school, you just got to get lucky with who's in the area but because of that, I got older and I was able to kind of lead the team more. It, it gave me a really good leadership role because I was one of the better players on the team. I was one of the only ones that was um, going to play in college. And um, Oregon is definitely rainy. I'm sure you've heard of that. And um, so especially the spring season in high school, it was a lot of like, rain delays or just like showing up, warming up and hoping that they don't cancel the game. So there's a lot of weather difficulties there, but high school was a lot of fun. Um, it was a good time for me to, um, like I said, practice that leadership role and kind of 
take all the younger ones under my wing, especially junior and senior year. So, um, yeah, I enjoyed it. So, Mikkel, when you were uh, when you were working through some of that stuff, like you said, a lot of rain delays. Um, sometimes it could be difficult to work through some of that stuff because you're ready, you're warmed up, you're 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 ready to play, and then rain delay kind of throws you off the rhythm, right? Mm-hmm. Anybody remembers the 2016 World Series game seven? All of a sudden, you know, the, the the wind blows through. There's this rain, and you have this stop on the biggest game of the season in the in the final game of of the World Series, and it just like totally flips the thing on its head, right? And so mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you, kind of, how you were able to to leverage those breaks in play and kind of develop, like I said, some of those habits that helped you to overcome those breaks in the rhythm to get back in and have some success because I think that that speaks to the, maybe the, the heights of the success that you had at, in high school with all of the, the challenges that you mentioned, you know, like playing in Southern California, you probably don't see that quite as much. You don't see those breaks in play. You're just going, going, yeah. going. Mm-hmm, for sure. I think um, it was really nice to just, I kind of learned over all that time that you just have to, be prepared to play and like just having the right mindset and always being ready. And that, that applies to a ton of different things, but um, we even see it now here in college. Like, I don't know, a couple weekends ago, it like snowed and we had a game the next day and we're like, Ooh, we'll see about that. But um, it's just, yeah, like I said, just staying ready, like always, it might be disappointing if they do end up canceling the game or whatnot, but um, you don't want to be like, oh, they're going to cancel the game. You want to always be ready and make sure that you, when we are playing, that you're ready to play. So I think it was, um, who are we playing? Our last home series, we, oh, Montana. Montana. We, yeah, so they canceled both games. Well, First, they pushed them back, so we were delaying the games, and then um, we were even at the field already. We even warmed up a little bit, and then they just said cancel it because the field was too wet. But um, So that was disappointing, but like I know our team was ready to go no matter what. Awesome. So switching gears just a little bit, um, can you talk to us a little bit about your recruiting experience? So is there a lot of recruiting that goes on in Oregon overall? And then how was your experience in particular? Um, Not particularly in Oregon. So on my travel team, we always had to pretty much go out of state to get college exposure. And one of them was California a lot, um, Colorado. and um my recruiting experience with weber was uh when i was in like eighth grade i had a hitting coach that played at a community or coached at a community college um in salem and she was like do you know coach amicone like she's great have you ever heard of weber i was like no and i was like a baby at this point so but like um before the rules switched over like everyone was trying to commit at such a young age like it was almost a race and um so obviously i was like yeah i'm gonna start looking into colleges and so i looked at weber and like all good things i loved it at the time um i can't remember when i went to camps but i think i went to like two but the big kicker was that i 
um, called Coach Amicone like every week for months. And she definitely got sick of me. But we started building a good relationship and got to know each other. She got to know me, which was really helpful. And then they got to come see me at a few tournaments and stuff. But um, just building that relationship, she um, offered for me to come on an unofficial visit. And so I could meet them and tour the campus and stuff. So I did that. And they didn't get to see me play much at this point. And so I did like a little, it was like a high school camp, but they let me join in on it. So I did that and then they got to see me play and just getting to talk to them and stuff is um, after that they ended up offering me. So yeah, that's kind of the story. So do you think it was really building, what was the deciding factor for you in choosing Weber State? Um... That's a good question. I feel like I just knew, especially when I came on campus, like before when I was looking at it, it was like checking all my boxes. I wanted to go out of state, but not too far. And I have some family here and um, it was a smaller school. I didn't really want to go to a big school at the time. And obviously their softball program was amazing. So I was like, that's, that was probably number one. But then when I got to campus, it was just like exactly what I wanted. It was beautiful. The size was great. And just talking to the coaches, I was like, this is what I want. Like, it wasn't like one specific moment, but the school pretty much checked everything that I wanted off. So that was great. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And you kind of talked about taking care of um, some freshmen and sophomores when you were in high school as a senior, as um, one of the athletes that was um, a lot more successful in that in your program and everything like that. Um, that's kind of been the case now, too, um, is we have a lot of good freshmen and sophomores on there. Um, you know, we got Mia Rushton, Mika Chong, everything like that. Have you seen yourself kind of go into that role as, as that senior um I mean, kind of a senior. I don't know how the. Yeah, I am a senior this year, but I'll be a super senior. Yeah, Um, I have it. Definitely. That's kind of what I was referring to is like um, really good prep for where I'm at now, my high school experience. And it's just I'm not as much of a vocal leader. Ask anyone like I'm pretty quiet, but I definitely lead by example. And I feel like um, the girls respect me a lot and I try to take them under my wing as like a big sister role. And I think it works out pretty good. We have a really close team. We're all like a family and especially this year, it's been the best chemistry that I've seen in the past few years or my entire career here. So I think it's been great. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Mikhail, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, about we, we talked about you becoming a wildcat, going through all that stuff. You were part of the 2019 team that was, you know, set some records, obviously making or winning the first NCAA tournament game in conference history. A lot of seniors on that team. Um, and so because of that, you know, you coming in as a freshman, you didn't have quite as many opportunities to play that year. Like you uh, we talked about before we started the interview, mostly. Mm-hmm. just DHing that year. But I'll ask you kind of how, what you took from that year and kind of how you grew as a player, even though you didn't have as much time on the field, how you were able to grow 
off the field that then set you up for what would come in 2020, then 2021? Yeah, so that was actually one of the most beneficial years in my career, I think. Um, it was also the hardest. Like freshman year is such a blur. It goes so fast. You're doing so many different things. But when I got here, like I was here to play softball. And that was the first time that I, I, well, I needed to earn my spot. And like I sort of did in the fall. But like you said, there was a lot of the really good seniors. We had a solid team that year. We went to regionals, obviously. Um, and so I didn't get that spot on the field. I got to DH a little bit, but um, like, obviously I wasn't playing as much as I wanted. And um, it was kind of a gut check. I was, I was upset a lot of the year. I was like, oh, I want to be playing. Like, that's all I wanted. It's all I could focus on. It was like, what am I doing wrong? But um, so during it, it was really hard. But then like immediately after the next year, I was like, wow, what a good experience. Like, I definitely learned a lot and not that I'm glad it happened, but I feel much stronger afterwards because I'm like being in an outside perspective now, I'm kind of like, you know, that worked in my favor because, you know, I probably shouldn't have been playing and um, I respect the coach's decisions to not play me. And I was like, that was really selfish of me to like, think in my own terms instead of, you know, everyone else and like the coaches make decisions for our entire team. So that's really good. And, um, just at the time it was really hard, but like, it was just such a good learning experience coming out of it. You know what I mean? And, um, I had another point and I'm trying to come up with it as I'm rambling here, but (laughs) (laughs) um and also like I feel like now it's like I feel more grateful for my spot and I had to earn my spot and um it just helped me to continue to work hard and I'm like you know I just feel a lot better about it and during that uh during that 2021 season after um because you were on a roll um you know especially preseason that was that was kind of all you got to before that injury, right? Um, you feel like your spot was kind of taken away from you that year and you, you've come back on this year with a little bit of vengeance on it? Yeah, so that was definitely difficult, especially after the COVID year. Um, so that was, it was pretty much two years in a row that I did not get to play conference. I did get to do some preseason stuff, but it definitely wasn't what I wanted, you know. Absolutely. So this season has been just incredible for you so far. You are leading the team in RBIs. You're in the top five in quite a few other categories. I mean, it's just really been a pretty stellar season. So what has been the difference for you at the plate this year, do you think? Um, well, honestly, it's the first time I've had some consistency at the plate and, um, getting to play a lot more. So that's, that's really helpful, but I also have so much experience from the past three years. Even if I haven't played, I just, I'm older and wiser and, um, I just feel very prepared now. And some of it's luck too. Like, uh, at the beginning of the year, I 
I was hitting in like the 100s. I had a terrible batting average, but I was, I felt like I was playing okay. I just wasn't getting those balls on the ground. And that's how softball is. Some of it's luck, some of it's talent. So just been lucky lately, I guess. Love it. <laughs> Mikhail, last thing I wanted to talk to you about was uh, the 2021 season. So you, you started out and an injury did derail you that year. Um, and so talk to us a little bit about what happened there, because I think for most Wildcat fans, uh, maybe they don't realize the severity of that injury. Like you had hit a home run, you know, rounding the bases and there was some, some, something happened with your leg that they had to take you to the hospital pretty, pretty quickly after that. Can you kind of walk, walk through us and kind of talk about how you overcame that and kind of bounce back to what we're seeing now, like Jessica was just saying, and the success that you've had in 2022. Yeah. So, um, at the beginning of the year, it was like our second travel or, um, preseason tournament, um, at UNLV, I hit a home run. I was actually in kind of like a slump before that. And I was like really frustrated. And then I hit a home run out of nowhere. And I was, um, (laughs) I guess too amped up and I was just sprinting around first base, which is normal to do, I guess, until I realized I hit a home run. But I just stepped on the base wrong. I, I, I like stepped kind of on the top of it a little too much. And um, my ankle just kind of gave out and all my weight went on it. And it, I just like rolled my ankle. It wasn't a big deal. Uh, I finished running through the bags. I, I even finished the game on defense. It was towards the end. But um, it was it was painful. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like it didn't feel good, but I wasn't super worried about it at the time. And, uh, we finished the game, went home. Uh, so we had a bus ride home from Vegas and I don't know how long that is, but I was in a little bit of pain. Like I was just like uncomfortable on the bus the whole time. So this was Sunday night. And then when we got home, I like, I laid in bed and I laid there for two hours, so much pain that I couldn't sleep. And I was like, popping ibuprofen way too much definitely od'd on that and um so i was like something's wrong and so i was messaging one of my trainers that was with us on the trip and i was like my ankle hurts really bad is there anything you can do and she was just asking a bunch of questions and it got pretty late um probably like midnight and she was like you know i'm just gonna come over and look at it so Number one, I want to thank her for that. She like saved my leg just coming over that night. Um, But she uh, looked at it and was just kind of like, it just looks like a sprained ankle, you know, like there's nothing I can do. And at this point it was Sunday, like late at night. And so everything was closed. I could only go to the ER and I was like, no, it's fine. I'll just, I'll just stick it out, you know, even though I was in a lot of pain and that was probably the longest night of my life. I can't believe I did it. It was awful. I didn't sleep a wink. And um, the next few days were kind of a blur. Uh, I I was just, I remember I had like a drop foot where, so I couldn't like pick it up at all. And I was just having a bunch of really weird signs, but I saw a doctor the next day and he said it was just like a high ankle sprain. And I just kept seeing my trainers every day. I stayed out of practice for a couple of days, but they were like, Wednesday, we'll just have you hit and see how it feels. And so I think Monday we did not practice. And then Tuesday I went to practice and coach even like sent me home because I wasn't being very productive. And my dad was like, 
he called me and was like, what are you doing? You need to get back to practice and you're going to lose your spot, blah, blah, blah. So I was just like, I was so emotional. I didn't sleep for like three days. So then Wednesday came and I go to practice and like everyone's expecting me to just, you know, work back in. But I went and saw my trainers and um, they sent me to doc's call just on campus. So I went over and saw a doctor at the stadium and uh, they like they had a pretty in-depth evaluation of me and um, the head doctor, Dr. Sharman there, suggested that I go over to the hospital. He suspected component syndrome, which is what I ended up having, but at the time I had no idea what it was. Mm-hmm. And so I, like, uh, no sleep. I drove over to the um, hospital by myself. I ran into a curb. I was just, like, so out of it at the time. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, like, in a lot of pain. It was just, I'm telling you, like, the three days were so crazy. Can't even remember. I can't believe I remember it. Um, so I go to the hospital and, um, I walk in and they like immediately have a doctor ready for me. And so I go in the back and, uh, they take me into a room and do an ultrasound on my leg. And I mean, they were asking me a ton of questions and explaining stuff, but I just can't remember everything because of my state. And, um, but I remember in the ultrasound that there was like waves and like little black holes and he was explaining it to me and I was just like, okay. And then they started to like, like start to rush and they sent me upstairs. I started walking and then they were like, no, come sit down on this. And they wheeled me up and, um, they sent me to like the surgery department of the, um, hospital and they were like having me get checked in. And I was just talking to a lady, giving her all my information. They're like, hold on, we need you to come back to the room right now. They were like, sit down, we need to go. Don't check in. So they took me back. And so there was Dr. Sharman, I think another doctor that was at doctor's call and the one I saw there. So three doctors led me up. And then I met the fourth doctor who was the one that did my surgery. And I was in this room and they were asking me questions and then they, this part's funny. It was like five minutes I was in there. They were asking me a few things and the doctors were all outside talking. And then there was a nurse that was like asking me for like, um, if I had any allergies, just weird questions like that. And I was like, wait, what's going on? Uh, And she was like, you're going to have surgery probably. And I was, that was the first time they told me. And I was like, wait, what? Whoa. <laughs> this whole time I thought I had a sprained ankle. Like everyone said it was a high ankle sprain. And, um, so they, yeah, they kind of explained that they think I had, um, or they thought I had compartment syndrome. And then they were just saying like, it's a, like blood buildup in my leg and, Um, It was cutting off the circulation and I'll explain more about what compartment syndrome is after, but um, just finishing the story, they, they got me all set up for surgery. I, they were like, here, put these on. Um, They gave me a dress to change into. I had like five minutes to call Alex, my trainer. And um, he was like, yeah, I'll tell your parents everything. 
So I didn't even get to tell my parents before. Um, and then they, you know, put the IV in me and then wheeled me out. So it was that fast. Um, and then when I woke up, I was just like in shock. I didn't even have time to process it at all. And when I woke up, I, they gave me all my stuff back and I was a little loopy, but they let me call my mom and I, I like immediately started bawling. I was like, I don't know what's going on. I just had surgery. And, uh, she was on her way with my sister. They started driving from Oregon to come meet me. And this was during COVID. So I was in the hospital all night and nobody could come visit me. I was actually supposed to get on the bus to go to Dixie that weekend. And they said that if I would have, I would have had to amputate my leg. Um, like, uh, any more, like any, I don't know exactly the time but a few more days i Uh my muscles were dying so part of my muscles actually dead and it won't come back but if any more would have happened i would have had to amputate my whole like half of my leg off so kind of a miracle that everything happened the way it did um but yeah that's a crazy story wow wow can you guys believe that holy cow (laughs) yeah that's that's crazy that is crazy well, I do have a pretty cool scar. Yeah. <laughs> and, and a story to tell, that's for sure. Yes. Stepping on a plate funny. That is, holy cow. Yes. I know, yeah. that's the crazy part, is I just thought I had a sprained ankle the whole time, and then it kind of accelerated. And another weird thing is, uh, the way I did it, like a, a reason they couldn't figure out what was going on is because it the way I did it was rare. So typically compartment syndrome happens from an impact injury, but like nothing hit my leg. I didn't slide or anything. I rolled it my ankle. So that was confusing. But what I ended up doing was splitting arteries that was causing internal bleeding and then that was cutting off circulation to my muscles. Got it. Yeah. Well, Mikkel, we're glad that you made it through and that you were able to get back on the diamond this season. And uh, I've, like we said before, made a huge impact. Currently the reigning player of the week. Um, last thing I wanted to ask is uh, Coach Kevin gives everybody a nickname. Yours is Mickey. Yes. Is there, is there a reason why he called you Mickey? Is it just, you know, a play on Mikkel? Is that why? Um, Probably a little bit of that. The M's. Um, he also likes to call everyone like I have another baseball player name, but Mickey Mantle, and it just kind of works with Mikel. But um, he also calls me John Olrude because we have similar swings. <laughs> yeah, it seems like Coach Kevin is a Yankees fan, you know, because we talked to Casey Whiting and hers is Stangle. And so yes. I was like, you know, a bunch, of, a bunch of Yankees around in here. So I guess so. Or he just loves baseball that much. Yeah. Well, Mikael McHouston, I want to thank you so much for taking some time to chat with us here on Weaver State Weekly tonight. Walk us through a little bit about your journey. I take, thanks for so much for sharing that story with us and kind of mm-hmm. helping folks understand what it's taken for you to get back on the diamond and have the impact that you're having thus far this season. I've got a couple of big series coming up in a couple, you know, this week and next week against Sac State and Portland State. So I want to wish you the best of luck in both, and I will see you on the diamond soon. Thank you so much, and thank you for having me. Yeah, we'll see you. All right. I want to thank Mikhail McHouston one more time for taking some time to chat with us on Weaver State Weekly, guys. Can you believe that story? That was wild, man. I can't yeah. believe that. And it seems like one of those things that it you it you just wouldn't typically look for, right? Yeah. Like it's just crazy. How would, how would you know? Yeah. yeah. One in a million. Yeah.
Well, let's talk a little bit about this. Uh, let's uh, move on to our segment where we're going to talk a little bit about the weekend. Um, last weekend, Wildcats took the trip to Greeley, ended up dropping the first game, I think, which was a shock to folks. But um, Wildcats lose the first one and then come back with a vengeance and run rule them twice. And so uh, kind of want to get, you know, the panel's thoughts on that about losing the first game, but coming back and really answering in a big way for the, for the final two games. I mean, obviously you don't want to lose games, but maybe that maybe is a good thing going into these final couple of weeks where we're going to Wildcats will face some very tough teams, kind of recommit them to like, Hey, you're not going to be able to make it through everything. What are your thoughts guys? Well, I think that's a really good perspective because when we lost that first game, I mean, Northern Colorado wasn't a team that I thought was going to be a big competitor, right? I, sure. I It just felt like another one of those where, you know, they've got some good players. They've had some good showings throughout the season. I just didn't think it was going to be a very big competition for us. And while I didn't watch that first game um, live, I was shocked um, to see that, that we lost it and, you know, a little bit disappointed and looked into the stats of kind of what happened there. But I yeah, do really, think really one beginning, right? Like that's what yeah, happened. That's one exactly what it was. One beginning. Um, but I do think it was the motivator because 18 points in that second game, y'all. I mean, and really even the third game, we run ruled them again, right? It was just incredible to have that comeback. And I'm glad we had the experience with this team just because I think it gets us more prepped for Sac State, right? Because I do think Sac State is one of those teams that has some potential to really be tough competition for us. So I think we got our heads straight um, going into this week. And, you know, we still won the series. And so I think that that was really good news. Yeah. Portland State and Sac State, the the Wildcats' next two opponents and to round out the conference uh, season, the number two and number three teams in the conference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is a little disappointing that we now have a, a losing streak officially on the on the marker with two right there. Yeah, it was back to back losses, one to yeah. Utah, and then that Friday the first game against Northern Colorado, which is the first time that's happened, even including preseason this entire this entire year. So that's the first time they've lost two in a row, um, as far as I remember. But I could be wrong. Um, but yeah, it kind of felt like um, that was their big motivator on that one right there. Um, you know, I I can't believe I'm referencing this movie again to you guys, but um, felt like that one scene in Avengers, they um, all that for a drop of blood type of thing. You know what I mean, right there. And then yeah, um, and so I uh, I love what Mikkel did in both those games. They you know, there's a reason she won Player of the Week, but you know, Coach Amicon said after that Mikkel can hit and, and that. She played phenomenally in that um, two home runs in one day. Like that's yeah. a that's a tough that's a tough act to follow right there. So yeah, yeah, really hitting her stride offensively, and like you said, that's one of the big reasons why she's reigning player of the week. Um, yeah. So Wildcats end up, you know, run ruling the Bears twice. Really, kind of saying, hey, we know you got that first one, but this is who we are, taking care of business, and. I think just showing them, hey, there's a reason that the championship runs. Um, so now I kind of want to switch gears a little bit and talk about Sac State because, like we said, the, the, the schedule really starts to tighten up here. Um, Sac State in Ogden this weekend, and then the finale, we've talked about it all season, the finale in Portland against Portland State. Wildcats will face Olivia Gray probably twice. She's currently leading the conference 
with a uh, with the uh, conference best ERA of one point six three. Um, she's she's been really really good. And so talking a little bit about Sac State, uh, they've they've had some some. I put two two key names that Wildcat fans should watch going into this series: Lexi Webb, absolute slugger for the for for the Hornets, and then Marissa Bertuccio who is an absolute ace on the mound. She her, her ERA right now, she's number two in the conference at 197. She is 0.01 better than Arissa Henderson right now to give you an idea of how well she has, has played. But she's pitched in a lot more games. You know, she's 160 innings pitched. So a lot more, um, a lot more mileage on the arm. And so Lexi Webb slugging, Marissa Bertuccio pitching, you'll probably face them twice. I mean, I don't know, guys. Thoughts on who you think is going to have the bigger impact here? Yeah, I think that's one of those things where we might actually see Lexi Webb on the mound as well um, because she's actually a pretty good pitcher, one of the top 10. It's a 4.31 ERA, yeah. everything like that. Um, I think that's one of the things where we'll see a couple of games that are going to be a pitcher's duel, um, whereas we kind of saw two run rules last series. And, you know, this, this may be – I said the at least two run rules when we did Waldo's eight ball last time, and then they did that in, like, less than three games. So Boom, right there. Yeah, I can't really Waldo's speak eight ball to, did not lie. Right? No, it did not lie. So I can't, I can't speak to how Waldo's magic eight ball works or anything like that. But um, I think that one of the things is um, we're definitely not going to see probably the offensive, you know, firepower that we've seen in the last couple of games, just because I think this will be a little bit of a low scoring, a little bit of that pitcher's duel type of feel to it. Um, just because these are two teams with phenomenal pitchers. So yeah. Jessica, Waldo's Magic Eight Ball was in a super good mood last time. Like I don't even want to talk about I still have feelings about Waldo's Magic Eight Ball. I tell you what. <laughs> <laughs> so much non-commitment last time I participated. <laughs> so much non-commitment. That that's totally fair. Totally fair. I do think uh, Lua Day um, is also one for Sac State. They've got a couple of good, um, I, I think that she's going to be a, a factor too. And just going along with what Simon said, I think, well, and what you've said too, these next two series are going to look a lot different than the ones we've seen. I wish we had Portland State at home, um, but I'm glad we have Sac State there. I think it'll be a good competition, but I certainly do not anticipate, you know, many games if any um with 10 or more points just i think it's going to be some close close long games yeah just kind of grind it out um i i want to talk about the offense before i switch gears and talk a little bit about the defense and so sac state they they really had something and this is a very potent offense that they had there was it was a a point in time where they had the top three hitters in the conference all one two three boom 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 those numbers have changed up a little bit now. Megan McGrath from Montana has, has taken that spot, followed by Logan Riggenbach uh, from Portland State, who the Wildcats will see next weekend, followed by our own Faith Ho at number three. And so the numbers have shaken up a little bit. Sac State's potent offense has, you know, fallen a little bit. And overall, as a, as a school, their offense is actually not as incredible. Uh, of the seven teams in the league, they're the fifth with a team 285 average. And so I, I wondered about that. Like they've kind of, we know that they're potent because they had really good numbers. That's maybe shaken up a little bit. And so now they fall into fifth overall in the conference. And so if you're pitching, how do you approach this team? Because you know, they're dangerous, but 
things have kind of maybe fallen off a little bit for them. So how did, I, I don't know, like if you're coach Amicon, how do, how do you approach this group and kind of how do you see things playing out in Ogden at Wildcat softball field this weekend? That's one of those things that I'm actually looking at on this. And I, I see this as a matchup where these pitchers, you know, we got Arissa and Mo and everybody, they have to treat this series as a landmine because the one thing is Sac State may not have the best batting average in the conference, but they have the most home runs in the conference and they have the yeah. second second or third most RBIs in the conference. So that's one of the things they have power and they have, is it the best slug? Per- no, Weaver has the best slug percentage, but they're number two on that. So following very closely on those lines. Um, that's one of those things is um, it's just a matter of you just want to make sure that every pitch you throw is right there so that the, there's no shot of just that power hit because they will hit with power against you. And that's how they win games is because of that power right there. And I do think just building on that kind of hitting some of similar points to Simon there. Um, I think we're good, right? Like, I think going in and not doubting ourselves, like there's part of me that thinks, you know, I think the loss last week was good for us in conference because it gave us some motivation, but I also don't want us to start to doubt ourselves. We have three incredible pitchers, right? Like I do not know another team that has three stacked pitchers. When you look at our batting average, we're the only person in the big sky ranked nationally. Right now we're coming in at 35th, right? So we've got to give ourselves credit where credit's due and come in and play for real, right? Like, yep, they're going to be a tough opponent, but you know what? We're incredible. And so we're going to play like we play. So let's not try to change how we pitch for, you know, this team with the exceptions of how we mix it up for the individual batter. You know, um, let's come in and be who we are. And I think if we come in and we're serious about the matchup, we're going to do just fine. Yeah. Um, last thing I just wanted to point out was that um, defensively, the Hornets have had some issues. Uh, they are currently fifth in the conference. Um, so I think that this is just kind of maybe a final thought here and we can move on to the mailbag segment. I think that um, we know the Mercer Bertuccio is a very good pitcher. But I think that if the Wildcats can get some ground balls on her, maybe that's enough to get yeah. what we saw against Haley Rainey up in Pocatello in that second game on Saturday, where we knew that she was very good. In that first game, she was very good. Once the Wildcats got into the bullpen, that's where the Bengals ran into some trouble, right? And then that second game, when they had a chance to see her again, that's when they lit her up. And I wonder if I think that we'll see Bertuccio twice this weekend. I think we'll see her on, on the, the 2 o'clock game, and I think we'll see her on Saturday for that game. And so I just wonder if, you know, if the Wildcats can just get some ground balls through the infield, I think that there's a, there's some really good potential, um, but they're also probably going to have to be really, really patient and uh, make her pitch to you. Uh, don't chase, just kind of see how she, she wants to go. And then like Simon talked about earlier, make sure that you're careful doing whatever it is you're going to throw to, to Sac State because they will put it over the fence. Right. So, all right, uh, those games coming up this weekend, they're the, it's the final, technically the final homestand of the season for the Wildcats, even though we know that the Wildcats will be coming back for the conference tournament. Um, but Senior Day will be on Saturday. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about that at the end of the show. But now we want to switch gears and let's go to mailbag. I got mailbag questions for everybody. Um, we put it out on social media and we said, hey, what are your questions? What do you want to know? And so I got a bunch. And so I think that we, we probably won't get through all of these, um, but there were a number of really good ones. So just let me pick here. Um, 
Okay, here's a good one. Here's a salient question that I think uh, as we get close to the end of the, of the conference slate now, uh, we've seen who these pitchers are, what they're capable of doing. They've seen some great competition overall. Who do you all feel is the best pitcher and probably in your opinion, probably pitcher of the year front runner in the conference this season? So that's a tricky one because I believe that the best pitcher in the conference and the pitcher of the year are actually probably two different people on this one. I think Olivia Gray is probably going to win pitcher of the year um, just because of those stats and the accolades right there. Um, you have so many innings pitched, you have a low ERA, everything like that. So I get it. Um, but I think had Arissa Henderson been placed in a situation like that where she wasn't with three very dominant pitchers, um, where she was kind of that, that solo act right there, I think we would have seen just as good, if not a better performance out of that one, a better performance. I, I don't, I don't doubt that. So I think that the best pitcher in the big sky is Arissa Henderson. And I think that Olivia Gray will probably win that, that pitcher of the year right there and, and be on that big sky. Uh, all, all first team. So, yep. Well, I would like to be considered as a factor in pitcher of the year this year is not only their ERA, but also how many home runs they've hit. And Ooh. then I think Arissa takes it home. I yep. didn't actually check how many Olivia's hit. I definitely think she's going to be up there in the running. Um, I am an eternal optimist, so I still have hope that Arissa is going to take her over. Um, but I, I feel pretty similar to Simon. But if we add in home runs hit, then I feel a little bit different about this. Right. <laughs> yeah. Seven bombs for Rissa Henderson, right? Mm -hmm. um, just going through and I was like, I don't, I don't see. Does Olivia see, have any? Did you look? Yeah. I, I don't, I don't see her. She's, she's nowhere to be seen here. And so it's, I don't, I don't think that, that she's necessarily a pitcher who's going to hit the ball. Well, um, I, I don't think that that's a thing that she does. So I, I get the argument where it's like as a complete player, Mm -hmm. It's probably mm -hmm. Arissa Henderson, right? Yeah. But when we're looking at strictly pitching, Olivia Gray certainly has the numbers to say that, yeah, yeah she's, she's the best in the conference. Um, one more question here. Let's... Um, okay, let's go with this one. Which Wildcat will need to have a big series to get the series dub over Sac State? Ooh. I think this this one this one does fall on pitching quite a bit, um, just because I think you know what we were saying before is that it's going to be a lot of Arissa and you know Mandy Sink and Mo Ramirez really getting it done on that end of the ball. But as far as um, what I kind of think for offense, one of my one of my players that I always look out for because if she's having a good game, it's a whole it's a whole different story. Like she'll she'll be the one that kind of rallies the team back is Mika Chong. I think anytime mm. that Mika Chong Mika is on fire, let's go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it is because like, if she get if she gets hot, the entire team gets hot right with her. So I think that's one of the things that's always a wildcat that I watch out for. She's been really good in pinch hit situations this season. Yep. I don't know, Jessica, what do you think? Which oh, I, I feel the same way. I think that our entire pitching staff, you know, needs to be on deck. I feel like we'll see all three of them this weekend, right? Um, when it comes to hitting, I, I Casey Whiting is somebody that I always look out for as well. I agree wholeheartedly with Mika, though. Like, it's just fun when she comes in because, you know, like, oh, my gosh, it's going to be good. Um, but and of, of course, right, of course, Faith and of course, Chloe. I, but I think 
that we I'm just used to expecting such high things from them. So um, Casey is going to be my my pinch player this week. There we go. Yeah. So so for me, I think that the the player that probably has to have a really big game at some point in this series, it's got to be Mariah Ramirez. Mo had a really rough outing in in Northern Colorado. Um, that that big inning, uh, she came in and pitched that one, and so that I think we've seen her have absolutely incredible games, like the the game she pitched against Montana, where she absolutely blew the doors off, tied the conference record in strikeouts, like absolutely phenomenal. And then you know she'll have outings like the one she did in Greeley, where it just wasn't working. Um, you know, missing missing the strike zone some HBP, you know what I mean? And just like overall, just letting hitters get to her. If, if she's able to be more like the Mo we saw in the Montana series and less like the Mo in the Northern Colorado series, I think that the Wildcats are going to be in really good shape because like you said, Arissa will take care of business. Mandy Sink has been very good. And then if we get uh, Mo Ramirez going in and she gets rolling early, the Wildcats are going to be in really good shape. We know that, that the run total should be relatively low, and I think that that is probably the secret to beating the Sac State team is keeping keeping the runs off the board, keeping them from getting on base, and then just hoping that the uh, the offense can find a way to do some damage against uh, Marissa Bertuccio. So that's just some of the mailbag questions. Uh, we'll do this again soon, guys. Like I said, there were so many good questions, and we're we're kind of out of time here. So uh, we'll do it again, and uh, we'll answer more of your questions. I'll put it out there. I put this one on stories on Instagram, and so uh, we might do that again, but maybe I'll put it on Twitter as well just to kind of get some questions for folks. We'll take your questions. We'll answer them, and uh, we'll just kind of see how things shake out. But now let's look to the upcoming schedule. Like we said, just a couple of series left this weekend. Wildcats will be hosting Sacramento State. The Hornets are coming to town. Friday, April 29th, they will be at Wildcat Softball Field at 2 p.m. and at 4 p.m. Uh, you can watch those games on ESPN, ESPN Plus like me, or you can get your tickets at WeberStateSports.com. Uh, we mentioned in the past that um, Weber State Weekly has a pair of season tickets for those games. They'll be the last ones. If you're interested in any of those games, you want to use them up, email us, message us on social media, any of those things, and we can see about getting you those tickets if you need to to show up. Saturday is senior day, so they will be celebrating the senior-laden squad. I mean, guys, I think we can agree this is one of the best teams in Wildcat softball history, right? I mean, they're, they're bumping up against potentially the, the uh, program record for wins, which is 38. They're currently sitting at 32 with six games for sure left in the regular season. And by the way, that 38 includes postseason. So there's and at least two more games in the postseason. So, I mean, we're talking about eight games remaining with 32-1. That's a pretty big deal. There's, there's a chance they could break that record. Show up on oh. Senior Day and support them. Then uh, the following weekend, the Wildcats will be on the road, taking the trip up to Portland to face Olivia Gray and the Portland State Vikings. Friday, May 6th, uh, 2 p.m. Mountain Daylight Time, then 4.30 p.m. Mountain Daylight Time on ESPN+. Plus. Then the season finale, Saturday, May 7th, at Portland State, 1 p.m. Mountain Daylight Time on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, go ahead and take a look at that. Watch the games, see what the Wildcats can do. I think that if they take two of three in both of these series, they will be conference champions for the regular season. Now, of course, that doesn't mean much because they were the conference champions last season. Yes, you get to put a banner out in the outfield. Yes, you get a ring with that. But it's not the one you want, right? You want to get that NCAA and postseason berth. We've talked about the complications of what should the Wildcats not win the conference tournament. Could they potentially get in? I checked the RPI numbers. Wildcats currently sitting at 59. Uh, they fell kind of far 
Uh, I think that the, those that Northern Colorado loss kind of hurt them a little bit. Um, the next closest Big Sky team in the RPI rankings, Portland State at 109. So the Wildcats, far and away, the best team, according to the rankings in the conference. Um, they're going to get an opportunity to play like it this, this coming weekend. Um, we'll wrap up the show. Email weberstateweekly at gmail.com, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Patreon, of course, and the blog. Um, folks, really want to thank both of you hanging out with us tonight, doing Weber State Weekly. Thank you guys. Yeah. Right. We, got, we got two more shows left for sure. We got this next weekend, and then uh we'll have a conference tournament time. So yeah. I know they stopped publishing the signpost for a while. So this is my only way to rant about the uh, women's softball team. So this is my life this time. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we'll, we'll have a few more shows on the docket talking about softball. Maybe more depends on how things shake out. Like we said, the Wildcats will be hosting the big sky tournament this year in Ogden. So uh, get your tickets, man. Show up to Ogden. It's a, it's a fun environment. I went last year and uh, it's fun. Like a lot, a lot of teams from or a lot of folks from a lot of different schools there. All the squads come down. Hopefully the weather's good and uh, it's just, just a good time. It's a good, good time. All right, folks, wrap up the show like we usually do. Weber State, Weber State. Great. 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 Go Wildcats.